Good morning, Mission Hills Christian Church. This is Marilyn Fidmont in Houston, Texas. Thank you for allowing me the opportunity to be with you in our virtual worship time to share with you some words and thoughts as we approach this 2020 election season. I've appreciated Pastor Ryan and your bold endeavors to engage in a political discourse in the midst of so much controversy and conflict. As we search scripture, we will recognize that much of what we know in our faith is based on the thought of who all is included, how we make space for one another, how we embrace one another, so that all of us can truly be God's children and live out the best of who we are and who God has created us to be. Come to this scripture with me. I'm reading from Numbers 27, verses 1 through 11. Hear these words. Then drew the daughters of Zelophehad, the son of Hephar, the son of Gilead, son of Meshur, and son of Manasseh, from the families of Manasseh, the son of Joseph. The names of his daughters were Mala, Noah, Hagla, Melchah, and Terzah. And they stood before Moses and before Eleazar the priest, and before the leaders and all the congregation, at the door of the tent of meeting, saying, Our father died in the wilderness. He was not among the company of those who gathered themselves together against the Lord in the company of Korah, but died for his own sin, and he had no sons. Why should the name of our father be taken away from his family? Because he had no son. Give to us a possession among our father's brethren. Moses brought their case before the Lord. And the Lord said to Moses, The daughters of Zelophehad are right. You shall give them possession of an inheritance among their father's brethren and cause the inheritance of their father to pass to them. And you shall say to the people of Israel, If a man dies and has no son, then you shall cause his inheritance to pass to his daughter. And if he has no daughter, then you shall give his inheritance to his brothers. And if he has no brothers, then you shall give his inheritance to his father's brothers. And if his father has no brothers, then you shall give his inheritance to his kinsmen, that is next to him of his family, and he shall possess it. And it shall be to the people of Israel a statute and ordinance as the Lord commanded Moses. This is the word of God for the people of God. Praise be the name of God. As I was preparing for our time together, I came across a book that I had in my library. You know how you're always gleaning through your books and you find something and you realize, oh no, that's a good one. This one is entitled Left Out, The Politics of Exclusion, Essays from 1964 to 1999. It's by Martin Duberman. When I opened this book, these are the words that, that jumped off the page at me. If the misery of our poor it be caused not by the laws of nature, but by our institutions, great is our sin. If the misery of our poor be caused not by the laws of nature, but by our institution, great is our sin, said the great thinker and controversial figure of humanity, Charles Darwin. If the suffering is caused by our institutions, that's something to think about. As we approach the scripture for this morning about these, these five women, these five sisters, these five daughters, 
in this unique place in which they find themselves. We are reminded of that great uh, song from Dream Girls. I, it's still one of my favorites in which the character Effie asks that question, what about me? Because that's essentially at the heart of all people who are marginalized and disenfranchised. What about me? And so what we find in this text is not unique to just these women, but it's been the case of many women or people of color or those marginalized because of status, class, or privilege. And they've whispered in that tiny voice, childlike, what about me? So in this text, we find these five sisters, single sisters, living on their own with their own skill set, taking care of themselves and one another, watching, listening, understanding, in a place where the future was becoming thin and it was constricting and they were being left out, paper-thin existence, an unpredictable storm rising on the horizon of their life. This text, the background of it, says that there had been a census conducted and all the males of the age of 20 are over. All the clans are listed. Those who were part of Judaism, all those who mattered had been counted according to their family groups. And in the midst of this, Zelophehad is named, but he had no sons, only daughters. God had instructed Moses that these tribes, these named men folk, all were eligible, land ready to, ready to possess land, ready to occupy space and prominence, a position, status. You know, in many places, and it still is true, land is everything. Land says that you have a future. You can always demonstrate land as a tangible asset. How many times have I heard stories in Texas that a rancher died and he had little, very little in his pocket, but he was wealthy according to the land and the cattle. So these men were named, numbered and counted, and all the time while they were being counted, these women folks, these folks without a daddy anymore and without brothers and without husbands were being counted out. Have you ever been counted out? As a person of color, as a woman, as an immigrant, as the other, as the different, counted out before you even get a chance to start. Blacks in this country may remember that they were promised 40 acres and a mule and most never received that. In fact, the land that they did receive, oftentimes they were lynched out, burned out, robbed out, taxed out, and left without it. 40 acres and a mule, I don't need the mule, but if the offer is still available, I'm willing to claim my 40 acres in lower Manhattan. Land ownership said that they belonged for these sisters. No longer slaves, wanderers settled into a place. They were daughters of the Exodus and they wanted to be full women of the future. But they were on the verge, as James Baldwin would describe it in one of his books, they were on the verge of having no name in the streets. And it would be easy to expect these women, these heirs to Egyptian slavery, that they were going to be put into another type of bondage, that of being invisible, that of being insignificant and marginalized, subjected to the whims of society of institutions over which they had no control. And yet these same five women who had no men to fight for them, no brothers or husbands to give them voice and power, were not content to remain silent. 
they weren't content to disallow whatever to befall them. No longer willing to be banished to the comfort of their tents. They began to talk amongst themselves, to draw attention to themselves. They began to think about what power and agency and capacity they had if they became a coalition of the willing. Perhaps they had been whispering to some of their relatives or other folks who may have been friendly and sympathetic to their plight. Perhaps they also knew the history, were well enough versed in what was going on in this tradition. They knew the law codes. They had been listening. They were eavesdropping and they were gathering information, finding out what was their chances. What were their chances? What could they do? What could they leverage? No longer safety was not safe for them. What was acceptable is not acceptable for them to be overlooked, eliminated, dealt out. They were not status quo keepers. Never move doesn't compel us to move forward. Stay in your place doesn't compel us to take another place of, of, of opportunity. Sometimes it requires boldness, courage, tenacity. When the odds are against us, what are we going to do? So these five sisters wrote a new chapter in history. They wrote it with their own courage. They wrote it with their own belief that they mattered. They wrote it believing that if they took this stand, perhaps they would making a future not only for themselves, but allowing the institution to really work for everyone. Change makers, risk takers, not content to live in the shadow. That's the legacy of these sisters. Five women who are running out of time and may eventually have run out of resources if they didn't craft a plan. So they opted to move from what would have been a potential place of marginalization, to move out of the safety of their tents and to consider a plan. They crafted it. Maybe they sat up late at night thinking about it in this compressed living and clock running out time and space. Each one of these women, I would imagine, had the opportunity during the daytime to move about the community and chat a little bit and talk to this one and barter with that one, all the time perhaps gaining a sense of what they could do to make their case. And in the evening time, sorting that out as they sorted through the daily ritual, as they perhaps washed clothes and cleaned their pots, began to think about, what about me? I can imagine that it was a calculated but shrewd risk that they were embarking upon. Because once the land had been given out, allocated, there was no coming back and making a case. So every night, as they met together, as they became this coalition of the willing, as the day loomed on the horizon in which the allocations would be made, they formed the great society of NTL, nothing to lose. Oh yes, they were the charter members of this great sorority. It has no headquarters. It has no constitution nor bylaws, no physical address, no colors or secret handshake, no pledge, no worrying about paying your dues because the fact that you are living in disenfranchisement or marginalization, you've already paid your dues for this great society of nothing to lose. You know what it's like to be a member of this sorority and dare we say fraternity. 
You know what it's like. You've seen it. It's been lived out, acted out. Later on, Esther would also be a char- one of the members of Nothing to Lose as she went into the king and said, if I die, I die. We know nothing to lose type of people. Sojourner Truth went around just trumpeting truth with nothing to lose. Harriet kept running invisible railroad tracks from north to south, back and forth. Rosa sat down saying, I have nothing to lose. Women said a hundred years ago, let me vote because I am sound mind, sound rational thinking, and I have nothing to lose by keep protesting and getting in your face. I am part of the great nothing to lose movement. Also, I would add that these women had moral memory. They did know the law code. They had been listening, eavesdropping, understanding it, understanding that God was making a covenant with God's people that would lift all people up so they could live in the full glory of who they were. And that didn't seem to be based on male or female. And so they saw some wiggle room in here. They were part of the community. Should they be cast away? so easily left out without any consequence. What about me is what they were saying. And in one voice and in one spirit, they collected themselves as charter members of nothing to lose and went to Moses, as it said, in the congregation went in, they found this loophole, a loophole rather than a noose. And they began to ask the question and review their case, took it to Moses and said, wait a minute. Our father, our father did not rebel. He committed no sin. He had no sons, only daughters. We've been faithful. What about us? Went in and made their case, determined to make a place for themselves and presented their case to Moses and the priests. The other chieftains, amongst all those, they had these, these women had the courage to say, I'm going to speak. We are going to speak for ourselves. These sisters didn't have an appointment, but they had a problem and a sense of urgency. These women moved from the margins into the very center of place of authority. They left their tents uninvited and unsummoned. They said, we are going to march over bridges and find our way to come to some sense of personhood. When you have nothing to lose, you will march over some bridges. Even if you're met by a mob on the other side, you will keep marching. Social reformer and abolitionist Frederick Douglass maintained that without struggle, there could be no social progress and no peace. He said that those who desire peace and freedom for all but oppose agitation are those who want crops without plowing up the ground. They want rain without thunder. They want the ocean without the awful roar of its many and mighty waters. Power concedes nothing without a demand, and it never did, and it never will. These women came in demanding something, nothing to lose. And they made their case. They found the loophole and not the news. They made their case. They pleaded their case. And they were so good and so well organized that Moses had to take their case to God. It's a mighty thing when God is on our side and we have nothing to lose. Presented their case. And what did, what did God say to Moses? And it became the ordinance and edict from there forward. These women are named not only in this text, but they show up again in the New Testament adjudicated the first case ever won for women's rights. 
because they had the power and the capacity to look at the institution and said, will you make us poor because you make the laws? Will you make me insignificant because you have the power to do so? Will you make me without my parents because you have put me in a cage? Will you criminalize me with laws that have incarcerated millions and millions and millions? Will you do that? An institution that does that. Great is its sin. This case was one of victory for women, one of the first ones ever reported by women who had nothing to lose. Brothers and sisters, believers in Jesus Christ, we will find out that we too have nothing to lose when we stand for and in our convictions that we are made better when we find that the least must be given the opportunity to be equal. We have nothing to lose when we fight for the poor among us. The incarcerated, the drug addicted, the black, the white, the brown, the gay, the straight. We have nothing to lose when we make sure that humanity, all human beings are treated as uniquely human and children of God. We have nothing to lose when we say to our brothers and sisters who are different than we come, let us reason together. 